welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crabby Christian, a Misfit Media Network production. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Hey, y'all, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. Thank you for having us on. We're excited to be here. I love getting to have couples. It's truly one of my favorite things. So (laughs) I'm pumped about this. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and your ministry and your book that you have coming out. Well, I'll start. So my name is Safa and I born, born Jamaican, but I was raised here in South Florida, or I should say in Miami. I've grown up in church my whole life. So I feel like I've seen it all, to be honest. Uh, I grew up in a culture that didn't really talk much about relationships, church culture, I mean, or um, sex. And so being on a platform that does that is scary, but it's also refreshing because I get to help other people basically talk about things that I didn't get to talk about, especially while going into relationships and going into marriage. I left South Florida when I was about 23 and I uh, went to the University of South Florida in Tampa where I completed a bachelor's degree in biomedical science because the plan oh. was for me to go to medical school. What, what? <laughs> yeah. But then I'm, well, I, I didn't just meet him. I knew him for a few years. Don't we were good friends. Prince Charming <laughs> came along. <laughs> and dashed all your dreams. Right. Uh, and yeah. dashed all my dreams. That's, no. that's what they're going to interpret this as. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, we got married and moved to Virginia. And I just, you know, had to take a step back and kind of reflect on what is it that God wants for me? Because I was already struggling with the degree. I just felt as though if God really wanted this for me, I shouldn't be having this hard of a time. And so I kind of took some time to, to sit back and just reflect on God, what is it you want me to do? Besides all the things and all the dreams that I have in mind, because I wasn't so passionate about medical field anymore anyway, mm-hmm. what do you want for me to do? And, you know, I, I just feel like he has just given me this new passion for the platform that we have and for, you know, speaking to youth and, and to young Christians in general about dating God's way and, you know, going against the grain of what society says. And so here we are married to Varys. And I mean, it's been a crazy, but great ride. It's been the best time of your life. (laughs) Yes, it has been, but ministry wise, (laughs) because I've always been quiet. You can ask him. Yeah, People know that I don't I don't talk much. Um, at least our friends do. And once we get married, he's like, man, you didn't shock me. <laughs> you get comfortable. <laughs> so but I love it. I love it. I love looking to see how far we've come and where God is taking us and just enjoying the ride. Yeah. And um, I'm the awesome part of the marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Tavares. So I also grew up in South Florida. We actually lived about 10 minutes from one another and didn't know each other until we were about 18, 19. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> it's like, so it's the weirdest thing. We just randomly met at a, um, so our churches knew of one another. So we would have visited and still never even noticed one another in the yeah. middle of the crowd. Then it was a, a, a mutual church doing it like a conference. And then, you know, they had like an after party, a concert. And she got up there, got up there to do spoken word. And I'm just like, yo, I got to meet this girl, you know, <laughs> but, 
unfortunately it flopped the first time you know it was it was my immaturity but we were being friends thankfully um went off to the military and then I realized that you know God was showing me how single she was and oh please God (laughs) knew that she really needed um attention oh whatever he directed me her way and I was just like all right God if you insist you know so So I feel like that's exactly the dynamic I'm getting off. That's, oh that's how gosh. I remember it. You know? um, <laughs> and now creeping up on six years with two little ones. Um, Can't believe it. I also went to the same school as her, just not when she was there. And now I'm going back again to do nursing. So um, exciting times. We're loving it here in Tampa. And this ministry, the book is being released 10 years from when it start, when the account started. Same and on. that's crazy. I just found out, um, you know, about September of 2012, we, you know, my brother and I, we had a different type of ministry, different type of ministry. And we would stir the pot. So we, we called our, our Twitter account anointed misfits because we knew, oh, okay, we're going to upset some people, but we shared the Bible. So they couldn't really get mad. We just made them mad, but they couldn't really argue with us. You know, and then I realized, you know, our brother was posting less. And anytime I spoke about relationships, everybody's like, we never heard that before. Mm -hmm. No one talks about this. You you need to keep, oh, I got a question on that. And it was just like, yo, I see, like, this is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't really know what college classes named it. I thought everything was like 101. So I just threw a 101. I was like, we're trying to date godly, you know? So yeah. that's how that started. And now God has blown my mind. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird to see how it is. But yeah, that's just a passion now because when I started this, I'm like 20 years old, single, dealing with lust, don't know what to do. Just know I should not have sex. And it's just like, right. I don't really have anything outside of that. And now to this point, I'm still trying to make sure that in in my marriage, okay, you're keeping boundaries, you're keeping all these things that no one ever spoke Mm -hmm. about, you know? So it's just to try to navigate, you know, a lifestyle trying to please God, purity, stuff like that, and help other people along that that same path. And that's where we are. Safa, I have to tell you, there's a guy next door that did the same exact thing to my career. I was (laughs) pre-law and- (laughs) <laughs> shockingly to everyone I am not a lawyer because I fell in love yeah so <laughs> I totally get it like the but it's also I would oh, have man. been a really great lawyer but really horrible to be around so it all it all worked out it all worked out there right right yeah. <laughs> so you guys are welcome that you are God's intervention and I will right I will <laughs> absolutely it. so Part of, I mean, I'm so excited to have y'all here for so many reasons, but part of it is that when you said anointed misfits, I just, my jaw fell open because same, like such a misfit, rock the boat. Freedom is on the other side of things that make us uncomfortable. Right. These are the conversations that we need to be having. And specifically, like the church is notorious for not having real conversations surrounding sex, dating. What is purity? How do I get it? Like, can I lose it? Like, all of those conversations, I love that you said, like, I just knew I wasn't supposed to be having sex. Yeah. Like, that's literally it. You're going to youth, you're going, okay, but how far is too far? Right. What can I do and not get in trouble with God? Do you have a, like, theory of why this is so under-discussed or not well-discussed? I think it can be two things. The older generation, I believe they don't want to admit how, how messed up they were. You know, so if I tell my kids, well, I had sex before marriage, but look at me, I'm living for God now. They're probably looking at it like, well, I can do it now. Right, I can do it. Yeah. And it's like, how do you tell them, no, 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 that's not what I meant. You know what I mean? And I feel as though that's their fear that if they're open, that we'll probably either judge them or we'll follow in their same path and we're trying to like prevent them from doing it. And then other times I just think we're we're super misinformed. 
I think there are some churches that are too spiritual and some churches that are too practical. Mm. And then I think sometimes we fall along the lines of that's a spirit of lust. That's a lust demon. And it's like we, we start calling out a lot of demons when in reality you lack boundaries, bro. Right. Like, if you stop flirting with her, she will stop sending you naked pictures. I promise <laughs> you, if you stop entertaining it, she will like, you know what I mean? But it's so easy for me. That's to say, no, no, no. It's just a spirit. The enemy's trying to do this. But I mean, yeah. if, if Eve wasn't holding a conversation, then she wouldn't have fell. Mm. And if Adam would have intervened while seeing this girl holding a conversation with a snake, you know what I mean? We right. wouldn't have been where we are now. So I think it's, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. And then probably it's just a, a fear tactic. You know what I mean? Just like, I don't really want my kids to make the same mistakes because if they don't recover, I probably push them over the ledge. So I feel like maybe they think that way. Right. And I, I agree. And I think that also, like you said, fear, but it also the fear that they just don't know how to talk about it. Right. And growing yeah. up, my parents, they were, you know, raised in church as well. Uh, for the Your most parents part, got married older too. They got married older. So my dad was 40 when I was born and they were married a year before. So they were much older and no one talked to my mom about sex. Yeah. You know, so how was she supposed to have that conversation with me? And so yeah. I grew up in a, a home and a church that reflected that. Like they didn't talk about it. They were scared to even mention sex because they were afraid maybe right. we would be curious and then we'd want it. They just said no sex, period. That's yeah. it. That's it. Don't think about it. Don't ask about it. Right. Maybe when you're old enough and you're married, then you can ask about it. But until then, don't even think about it. Right. Which is it's it's damaging because. You know, once you get married, well, at least for me, it was hard for me to make that transition between someone who was single, who couldn't have sex. Sex was bad. Exactly. Completely bad. So when I first got married, that was a that was a hard thing for me to swallow that I'm not doing anything wrong. This is the way God intended things to be. It took a while. I had to retrain my brain that this is this is okay. Sex within the confinement of marriage is the way God intended it to be. I think it's just a fear. It really is just a fear that, you know, they don't know how to talk about it. So they just avoid it altogether. I completely agree. I think also part of the problem is, okay, like it's okay if you don't know how to talk about something, but you should be able to go to the church and get tools. Exactly. And that is lacking. Thankfully, there are people like you out there having these conversations and giving people tools, but like, it's okay as a parent, if you were not raised in a home that this was like, a comfortable conversation to be like, I don't know how to do this, but I want to do it well. But the unfortunate reality is if you go to the church or, or you go to Lifeway <laughs> that isn't even open anymore and try to find resources or tools to help you have these conversations well, you're going to fall kind of flat because like, I remember being like, but why? Yeah. Right. Nobody could tell me why, why can't I have sex before I get married? Why God created it. And I get it. Like there's verses about like, the marriage bed, but like that feels really like technical, you right, know. Right, right. And it wasn't until I got older that was like, because of the biology of your brain creates a connection to that person that you weren't created to have. You were created to have that connection with one person. One yeah. person, right? And time. the fact that you don't even have to have like legit sex to create that connection with somebody. So like nobody was talking about fooling around and like that that stuff creates baggage too. And so it's just like, like, let's just talk about it. It's okay if you messed it up, like God can redeem anything. But if, if we don't, you know, I look at, you know, as a millennial air quote, <laughs> I look at like the generations, I mean, I'm an elder millennial. And so like, I look at like the younger and younger than that. And I'm like, it's getting worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And th- that's your audience. Yeah. 
And it makes it scary, um, you know, because honestly, a lot of times I feel like I'm competing against TikTok. Mm. I'm not that entertaining. <laughs> Talking about purity is not as entertaining as all the girls dancing it up on TikTok. And it's like, it's hard for me to tell a young man, listen, God desires things to be this way when all of your friends are doing the opposite. You know, and it's peer pressure, you know, and that's why I tell people it's always important to go on social media fast. Mm-hmm. It's always important to to, you know, take inventory on the type of friends you keep and all those things, because Eve's problem was a conversation. And I believe the enemy, when God wants to bless you, he puts the right people around Mm -hmm. you. So when the enemy wants to distract you, he's going to put the wrong people around you. Like I never knew pornography was a thing up until like, oh, I mean, I saw stuff, but I didn't know people walked around with it. It it started becoming a thing, you know, when I was in like middle school and a couple of my friends, I think it was like a Nintendo DS and people were like showing each other in the sixth or seventh grade. Here's a, you know, and I was looking at it like, you guys can get that, you know, like how, uh, you know, now I'm trying to convince my mom, how do I get a DS, you know? And I was like, mom, I want to play Mario Kart. You know what I mean? But my thing is, it's so easy to, you know, get get into that. And then when I don't have my parents telling me anything other than, you know, no sex, then it's kind of hard for me to realize, well, everyone looks like they're having fun. And I think that's literally been, you know, the enemy's tactic from day one, make you feel as though God is withholding pleasure. Yeah, you're missing out. Right. Yeah, like, no, the no, the church is just being controlling. That's legalism. Cut it out. You know, it's not, it's no big deal. And then when we do make the mistake and you have sex and you're like, oh, that was great. Right. What was the because God created that, it? You know? So of course it's yeah, great. It's like, um, you know what right. I mean? But we're not looking at it like you mentioned, what happens in the brain, the oxytocin that gets released, how you're forming these connections. And then you have middle schoolers, high schoolers, suicidal, pregnant, and then the next person leaves. And it's like so many factors, and we're not even talking about how abortion comes about. Like God, God, all he said was don't eat from that tree. You know, we wanted the whole explanation. God, show me all of this, show me all, then out. But God's like, if you just don't eat from that tree, we would not be having all these other conversations. You know, so I think what the church was doing was, was trying to tell us like the blanket idea, but as time progresses, we all see that we all desire the one thing you tell me not to touch. Don't go over the fence. Well, what's over the right, fence? Right. I now, you know, it's just the human nature in us that we're gonna want to, you know, try to figure it out. And unfortunately, that's just not gonna end. Our curiosity is never gonna end. I think it's just a matter of, like you said, arming ourselves with the right tools so that when we are tempted or when everyone is doing something, we don't feel as though peer pressure has to make our decision for right. us. You know what I mean? That even if you made a mistake, it's not somebody pushing you into it. You know what I mean? So I think it's just a matter of trying to, you know guard yourself and use wisdom in, in, in the type of relationships that you keep. I agree. And I think, you know, I think back to being 14, 15, 16, which I realize this revs up way younger for kids now, but I, you know, yes, I had a more immature capacity, but, and this is not faulting anyone, but I look back and I wonder if someone would have just answered my question of why, mm-hmm. if they would have given me more than just no, if it, yeah. if I would have been able to wrap my brain around it in some capacity and been like, oh, I think I do want to avoid that. Right. right. I really like it's it's not easy, but it's simple, you know, like had I just had an under like, you know, because we were I can remember being at like a small group and being like, OK, but then like how far is too far? Like, can they grab my boob? Is that OK? You're like trying to get as close to the line as you could. Instead of someone just saying, okay, that's not what it's about. Right. That's not what it's about. It's about your heart and it's about protecting it. And it's about like something, that, a gift that God has given you. This is a gift. Right. Yeah. Like you stored it well. Right. Mm-hmm. So we kind of touched on like the whole 
flipping a switch, right? Like sex is bad. Sex is bad. Sex is bad. Don't do it. Oh, hi. You wore a pretty dress and a suit and had a party. And now sex is now amazing. Like you not only get to have sex, but it's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that that is a ma- not been a majority of people's. That's not experience. been the case. Was that not, was that not your experience? Well, for me, I think I got over it very quickly. But it was still very weird. You know, I, I could tell, I could tell you were uncomfortable. So you could mention it, you know, but it just made it weird. Yeah, it definitely did. It definitely did. And I think another thing I was going to mention about like, you know, them not talking about it, like just answering those questions. Why we have questions and all of that is probably because Back then, they were taught not to question things. At Absolutely. least yeah. that's the way I grew up. And we you question don't question everything. Now. Right. You say if I say no, you that's yep. a no. If I say yes, that's a yes. You do not question it. You just kind of run that's with it. True. That was the generation. We in the what is this called? What generation? We're, Gen Z. We're in Z now. I think we question everything. So that's not that's not even gonna no. One hundred percent. So you're no. gonna have to have the answers to those why and push back. But I, rem- I remember when we got back from the honeymoon and Safa was still super awkward about it. And like, you could see people, you know, the people that w- look at you in church out the corner I of their eye. It. I'm like, I don't even want to and show then I'm looking, up to church. I'm <laughs> walking in with the biggest grin you've ever seen, you know, because in my head, you know, this is what y'all told us we need to be ready like, to do. Gonna know. This should be they're great. Know but then at the same back. time, I'm looking at it like, well, did we sin? Because now <laughs> it's like, this is an uneasy feeling. You know what I mean? I had to speak to my mentor. He was just like, that is the way it should be done. You know what I mean? At it's just sad because it's like, like you said, it's not a switch that gets flipped. You know, and I, th- I think we go wrong because young people view sex from the, the terms of good and bad. Mm-hmm. We don't view it as though a gift. We don't view it as though holy. Like God, when he describes marriage, it's such a high calling. When he describes sex, it seemed like an amazing thing. God has said, I'm going to judge those defiling the marriage bed. Like mm-hmm. he wants it to be viewed as something special. You know what I mean? But if we're never teaching that and all we teach is fornicators have their part in the lake of fire. Oh, if that's the only verse we right? heard, listen, I'm, I'm running for my life. My honeymoon, we're going to kiss and we're going to go to Good sleep. Night. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like we have to we have to be willing to to be vocal on it because TV teaches about sex. Right. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, I need you to know that you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver some results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning. Nutrafol has three physician-formulated formulas using natural, drug-free, medical-grade ingredients so you can get the most reliable results. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code Blake to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer they offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Blake. Music teaches about sex, and most times all these, these are these actors are not married 
So we're, they're giving hints of, you know, basically adultery. They're teaching it the wrong way. Yeah, you know, music, they're not married. So they're talking about their boyfriend, their girlfriend. So it's all laced with perversion, no matter how in- engaging it is. You know what I mean? So church has to be willing to say, well, I didn't have it all together. You know, I had a leader who who felt super strict, you know, growing up. And I never understood why we could never meet this guy's standards. I'm just like, bro, you are too holy, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> like literally only Jesus is more holier than you. But he wasn't being honest. But he wasn't being all. honest. I found out later on, you know, he 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 found himself in some compromising positions. And his thing was, he, I guess he was going so hard on us because he knew if we ever got comfortable, we could end up how he did. But I was looking at it from the perspective of, dude, if you would have told me that, yeah, I would have never judged you. I mean, obviously, I, I know others would have judged you. I'm sure of it. But I'm like, I wouldn't have judged you. I would have understood why you're so serious about this. You know, so that's while I try to be serious on golly dang whenever i talk about these subjects i let them know guys i don't have it all together yet but that's why i'm telling you this because i want you to understand that we don't arrive at some special moment we're all striving for you know trying to be closer to god you know so it's just a matter of being honest and vulnerable because people can only connect to you when they feel like they relate to you right and if you place yourself on a pedestal it's just never going to happen there's a quote by james dobson where he says if you let people put you on a pedestal if you move to the left or right your only option is to fall off yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. true. Like, I don't want to be elevated. Like if my voice maybe reaches more people, cool. But I am just a person just like you right. who messes this up, who I'm just trying to like teach you the ways that I've messed it up so that maybe you don't, you know what I mean? Right. What had to change for you in that like switch flipping that things got like more comfortable or, or I guess like what, if somebody's listening and they're in a similar position, they're engaged or they're newly married, like what you, what do you speak over people who are in that situation? Well, one, I definitely say talking to your spouse about it is powerful. Yeah. You have to talk, you have to have an open conversation as awkward as it may sound. You have to let them know how you feel. And mm-hmm. that person has to be willing to give you time mm-hmm. to, you know, feel what you feel and adjust to now right. being married, especially because this is not something that you've ever, you, you've ever done before. And so just having that conversation with Tavares and reading, uh, reading my Bible and, and, you know, reiterating that to myself, that sex is a blessing from God and in the confinements of marriage, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I also read books. I loved to read books at that time, like before kids and all, when I had (laughs) books and there was a book in particular, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a Christian book and it was about sex. Um, And it kind of just, you know, went against the grain of what, what we believe is about sex and what sex really should be in a marriage. Was it sheet music? No, it wasn't that one. I've heard of that too. I've heard of that too, but it was another one. I can't remember the name, but it was really good. It was absolutely, it was really good. And that kind of reshaped my thinking and said, Safa, get over yourself. You know, they taught it wrong. And if you don't want this to be a generational thing where when your kids, you can't talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, they're going to go through this as well. You need to, you need to, you know, rethink, reshape how you think about what sex is, especially on a platform like right. this. How could I, you know, I'm teaching all, or I'm speaking to all these other people about dating God's way and I can't even get it together. So I just kind of had to get beside myself and allow myself to get into God's word and just kind of embody or pick up what it is he really meant yeah. when he said oh, sex is a good thing. So having those conversations between the two of you is so huge because I really think that's the only way. Like, 
I don't think it's going to get better. Honestly, this is going to sound intense, but I think you can do all the work on yourself and your mindset and you and God. But if that's not shared between the two of you, like there's always going to be something between you. And the reality is, is that God created sex to be a way that two become one. Right. And if there's like this mental spiritual barrier between you, that's always going to be like missing. And I've said this before on the show, but my husband, my husband and I have been married 10 years this year. And we have always jokingly <laughs> talked about our sex life in like video game levels. <laughs> like we, we like leveled up and like <laughs> it's every single time that things have gotten better or we've unlocked a new level or we've mm-hmm. unlocked a new weapon. You two sound absolutely oh, hilarious. You're the biggest I nerd. The nerdiest <laughs> nerd. But it's always been because we talked about it. It's always right, because right. one of us got vocal right yeah. about how we were feeling or even like I don't like that. <laughs> like please don't I know that you think that you're accomplishing something, but you're not. Yeah. Like gotta be honest. Yes. And so I know that it's uncomfortable. And like, there have been times where I've been a child and been like, I have to say this and it's so weird and I'm giggling the whole time, but like, we got to talk about like, just push through it. This is your person. And all you're doing is robbing yourself and your marriage from like another level of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and intimacy by like letting your own awkwardness get in the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I try to tell people what you should do is save sex and marriages because a lot of times we don't realize one person goes into marriage and I won't call it baggage, but you've had so much experience mm-hmm. that now you have certain expectations of your spouse that they're looking at it like, dude, this is my first right. time. I'm not hanging off of any <laughs> chandeliers. I don't right. know. I don't know what TV show you watch, but you need to cancel that out of my your mind. You know, don't so do that. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Just like you're not, it's not going to happen. Like, listen, you know, so, and that's why I tell people, be patient. You know, like she said, it's a matter of saying, well, I like this. I don't like this. Continue this. Don't continue this. Because if you never say that, that person is going to, like you said, feel as though I'm accomplishing something when in reality it's not, it's painful. You know, I don't feel as though we're enjoying ourselves, but I'm only in it because I know the Bible says right. that, you know what I mean? And it's like, unfortunately, a lot of marriages are there where the person is like, okay, well, now it's just my duty, duty as a spouse, but you don't want it to be a duty. You want it to be a pleasure, right. you know, but if we go into it with so much experience and, and this is not to shame anybody who's already been there, but it's like, but if you're going with too much experience now, unfortunately, a lot of women are like, well, my husband doesn't do it for me. A lot of guys are like, well, my wife is not as good as, mm-hmm. you know, Susie mm-hmm. in the past. And it's like, right. unfortunately, we're just trying our best to get the pleasure without realizing why God is saying what he's saying. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if we do yeah. it the way God says, and even if you had all the experience in the world, if you form true intimacy with your spouse, then that'll be a pleasurable thing. And people think intimacy is just what's physically happening. No. But no. sex is something that happens after the emotional connection, after the physical connection, after the talking, after all those engaging, you know, throughout the day or wherever you guys are, right. that's when it becomes a great experience. Amen. Because if it's just a matter of flip the switch, then yeah, the guy is going to have a blast. The woman is just going to be there like, right. all right, well. That was fun. Okay, then. Right. Back, mm-hmm. to, back to Netflix. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, so that's the reason why I just like a lot of times I feel as though we don't understand, you know, God's perspective on intimacy. And we just view it as though sex, like sex is not the ultimate goal. It's becoming one. And if you're becoming one, then it doesn't matter how quick or how long, you know, preferably not as quick, but you know, you learn that you guys are enjoying one another. You're discovering Mm -hmm. one another. And I think that's what sex was supposed to be discovering your spouse. Absolutely. So I want to kind of go to the other side of things, because I know that like, we've kind of talked about this in not a secular, but like a more 
active way. But there's the other side of this are young Christians who are like, aren't dating at all because they are afraid and, or they feel like it's legal, like they need to be legalistic about it, or, you know, they're going to mess it up. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to kind of the people that more swing towards that side of the spectrum? It depends because I think a a lot of them have their reasons for so many different views. I know some people that don't date because their leadership doesn't even allow them. Mm, There's some people that don't date because it's like, well, I need to have six figures in my bank account. I need to have this degree finished. I need to have, and it's just like, to me, you're not being realistic because I don't think anyone goes into marriage a hundred percent ready. No, no. I mean, you're always, you should always be improving on Mm -hmm. something, you know? So there's a lot of people that are like, well, unless he makes this amount, he's not qualified to lead me. And it's like, well, sis, does he have a job? Okay. You know, is he finishing up a degree that will allow him to provide all those things? So I think it's a matter of you're trying to find somebody who's progressing towards the future you want to mm-hmm. see, you know, because a lot of times we think somebody's not spiritual because he's not the pastor of the church. It's like, well, well, maybe he loves God in his role. You right. know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, so I think a lot of times we we allow an idea of perfection to stop us from experiencing what God desires. But I think it's a matter of understanding that, like, perfect example, Genesis 12, God calls Abraham and he's just like, all right, get out of your, con- um, your country, away from your family and go to a land that I'm going to show you. He doesn't say north, south, east, or west. Abraham gets up and just starts walking. And it's just like, God directs him from there. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we want God to give us the blessing. And it's like, well, get up and let God direct you from there. So I think it's just a matter of forming um, proper friendships. And you'll be able to see, oh, am I attracted to this person? Am I not attracted? You know, but I I would definitely encourage people to go out and make godly friends. Because if you make friends, it makes the whole process easier. Because too many people... We meet somebody that's gorgeous, meet somebody that's handsome, and we immediately go towards dating. And it's not, you know, nothing. You don't know how they handle conflict. You don't know how spiritual they are. You don't know how they talk to the waitress when they make a man. You know (laughs) what I mean? So form that friendship and you just build from there. Because y'all were friends first. Yes. For a while. Mm -hmm. I met Tavares back in 2010 and we didn't start officially dating until 2015. Yeah. Okay. So it was a while. And I think being a friend and building that foundation definitely helped us even today in our mm-hmm. marriage, because I knew him before we started dating and he's, he's yeah. genuinely my friend. Like I actually like my wife. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yes. Uh, you need to like your spouse as that well. That is like, such a like sadly unique concept, even within the yeah. church today. Like, so we, my husband and I were friends for about a year and a half, mostly because I was dating somebody else. He was into me already, but i was in a very toxic relationship. And then that person and I broke up in two weeks later, Jeremy was like, so right. (laughs) And we started literally started dating like a month after that and have been together ever since, but he's my best friend. He is my best friend. And we just, he just recently left his corporate job to come and like work with me full time. And everybody's response was, oh my gosh, are y'all going to be so sick of each other? oh my gosh, I could never work with my husband. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just busted tail for three years so that I can be with him yeah. all the time. Like he's my favorite person on the planet. It doesn't mean he doesn't get on my nerves, like for, oh, sure. for, sure, for sure. But I think that that facet of dating and marriage is like the friendship is missing. Right. How do people cultivate that? Because, I mean, maybe it's not always an option to be friends first. Like, maybe not, maybe not an option, but maybe you meet and you're like, oh, no, like, let's 
Like, let's do this. (laughs) Like, but there has, there are ways to cultivate friendship within that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it's a matter of not rushing because a lot of times we, we get straight to the physical aspect and I don't mean sex. I mean, you guys just start talking and you're already, you know, all Mm -hmm. up under one another, you're always kissing, always touching, always holding hands, always hugging. And it's just like, what do you guys do for fun? Mm -hmm. Do you go out to eat? Do you, you don't have any hobbies? Do you have identities apart from one another? Friends. And, and that's my thing. Too much. Too, I think we we make an idol out of marriage. So immediately once we meet a person, we're just all in. And it's just like, well, if you don't know yourself, you're going to eventually pour all of you into them. And if they leave, now you don't know who you are. And people are trying to figure out themselves, people getting suicidal because of this. And it's just like, well, guys, I think you need to figure out ways that you can get to know one another outside of anything physical. I'm not saying if somebody's holding hands, relationship has gone far. I'm, I'm just like, dude, can you, can she breathe? Yeah, can, you know, right. can he get a day to himself? And if he didn't call you in three hours, did you think he was cheating? Right. Like you guys right. have to be able to have your own identity. Right. And I don't think that's very common with today's generation. I, I think it's because people have the wrong concept of relationships and marriage. I mean, we get into it because we are looking to fulfill whatever desires we have we want companionship we want this we want that we want this so you have this high like this person makes me feel like this this person is doing this and it makes me feel this way but that's not what relationships that's not what god intended marriage to be about Mm -hmm. and so if we're dating intentionally then we should date knowing that in a marriage you're going to want to it's it's more of a a, of a give than a take right you want to make sure you are you know satisfying this person's needs or you are helping them grow it's it's going to be about the other person and to be quite honest when you're dating you're not necessarily thinking about that in a sense you're thinking about what this what you can get out of this relationship Mm -hmm. the feel good of it and that's the problem that's why we get into all of this mess the best dating advice anybody ever gave me in high school was a mentor and she was like you run your race And if at some point you feel inclined to look to your left or right and there is someone running next to you, then maybe entertain that as an option. She was like, your race can't be trying to find someone. Right, exactly. Because then you do lose your identity and then add kids into the mix. And then those kids become your identity. And then the kids are out of the house. And then you live with a stranger. You don't know each other. Then Mm -hmm. the best answer for you is divorce. And it's crazy. Exactly. And that's sad and it's scary but it's so avoidable like even if you did skip friendship and dating date now you can exactly like date now become friends now find things in common make the time like it's gonna be an effort it's not gonna just fall in your lap but like we just recently got really into disc golfing like golf but with frisbees and it's so much (laughs) fun and we go do it together just he and I like while the girls are at school and we talk and we do something mm-hmm. outside of just sitting on the couch watching Netflix right, right. you're meant to they, they use the word partner for a reason mm-hmm. like I want this person to be my partner in life not just like a baby making right, <laughs> right. I guess all real quick it does so. yeah what's your biggest hope people take away from the book like People are going to read this. What do you hope they walk away with? I know that's a big question. It's a, it's a big question, but I, I think I have a simple answer. You know, so for anyone listening and you're about to buy the book because you think I have a chapter on how to slide into the DMs, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. But it's my goal that people realize that God isn't silent about this mm. stuff. You know, it's my, my, it's my hope that people will 
you know, take marriage off of a pedestal, focus back on God, because I think God will show you the right um, type of person that you should entertain and help you see who you should avoid. And I think so often we've allowed ourselves to be led by our emotions. I want sex and I want it now. So we want the best looking thing, you know, and whatever it is that we're just so focused on how it can fit my narrative, fit the future I desire for myself. But if you can ever look at the book, you're going to realize, oh, this is this is not what I thought it was. I honestly feel like a lot of people are going to look like, oh, this is not what I thought it was, because it's going to point you back to God and make you realize, oh, he could have directed me to whoever it was. You know what I mean? And I think often, too often, we're focusing on the person and then we're trying to, hey, God, do you approve of this? And then, you know, so I think now we'll be like, okay, well, God, do you approve of that person? Okay, okay, I'll leave him alone. Do you approve of that girl, that girl, that guy? You know, so I just think this will refocus our minds back to God and allow him to help us with our decision making. I agree with that. I think just dating with the intentionality of getting closer to God. That's the point. That's the point of relationships. That's we, our relationship is to glorify God at the end of the day. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Some people may read this book and realize, yeah, I ain't trying to date this person. Right. It's not our, it's not our goal to make you break up, but it'll make you realize, oh, this is probably not as purposeful as I thought it could have been. You know what I mean? So it's to make you realize you don't have to settle. God wants you to settle for more. That's one of my friends always says, settle for more. You know what I mean? Just believe that your, your expectations aren't unrealistic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. God is able to meet them. You just have to be willing to trust his guidance. Have you seen the TikTok like uh, audio where it's like, we got married because we make hell nervous? No, but that I sounds good. That it's so good. It's this couple and it goes on longer than that, but that's it. Like we got married because Satan shakes in his boots because of what we can do together. Yeah. And I think if more Christian couples had that mindset, you'd see marriage and dating be radically changed. And I think I y'all are like running on the forefront of that. And I'm really thankful for that as someone who is raising daughters that are going to date one day when they're 30. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> if it's up to their father, that's what it'll be. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just really thankful, excited for your book, thankful for your ministry. Y'all are awesome. Thank you for taking your time to come on the show. No, thank you for having us. We're excited. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.